We have an incredible reading. This week in the first reading from the second book of Maccabees, chapter 7. It's about these seven brothers and their mother. And all eight of them are brutally tortured and executed. Did you catch why? What, what was it that, that caused all of this torture and, and, and at the end, this execution? Anybody? They wouldn't eat a piece of pork. That's it. All that suffering to do, like, what you you and I are probably going to go eat after Mass. Bacon. All they had to do was eat a piece of pork. And they refused to do it. Now, we only hear a tiny part of the story. If you want to read it, it's 2nd Book of Maccabees, chapter 7. I highly recommend you read it. What they give us today is like the PG version. And it's partially probably, you know, for brevity's sake and the lectionary and the context of the Mass. It's also for content's sake. I'm going to give you the R-rated version in little cliff note, okay? This is what happened to each of the brothers and the mother. First, they were scourged. Then their hands were cut off. Their eyes were gouged out. Their tongues were cut out. They were scalped. Their flesh was ripped off their bodies. And finally, they were cooked alive. One by one. And maybe the worst part of the story is the mother has to watch all seven sons go through this. Before she herself goes through it. But that, even that. All for a piece of pork. But that might not be the worst thing the story reveals. As I was praying about this, as bad as that all was, all that torture and stuff, the story might reveal something that is even more deadly about the modern day and age. It has to do with what's in our hearts. I'm sure if you ask many people in the secular world of America to listen to this story and tell them why it was all, all this torture, all this suffering was over a piece of pork, a piece of bacon, they would have said, that's foolish. That's foolish. Are you kidding me? Those are religious fanatics. They went through all that pain instead of eating one little piece of bacon. Come on, just eat the bacon and then later say, God, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to do it. God will understand. You know, you guys, people used to read this story in stand in awe of the brother's courage. We used to read this story and marvel at their faithfulness to God. We used to read this story and say, I wish I had that kind of courage. I wish I was the kind of man or the kind of woman that could stand up in the face of executioners and not deny my faith, no matter what they did to me. That's what we used to say. But we live in a world that mocks fidelity to God, hates self-sacrifice, and above all, seeks its own self-interest. I've been thinking a lot about this lately, you guys, ever since the Feast of All Saints. If you remember, All Saints this last week was a holy day of obligation. You were all supposed to be at Mass. If you weren't, you're a terrible person and a sinner. I'm just kidding. You're not a terrible person, but you are probably a sinner because you missed the holy day of obligation. Anywho, back to the point. I was preaching on the fact that in Ireland, 
During when the English would persecute the Irish Catholics, it became illegal for Irish Catholics to have mass. And they had these little things called priest rocks or mass rocks. And they would celebrate up in the hill country on these little rocks. They're all over Ireland if you ever get to go up in the hill country. And they would have lookouts that would watch. And sometimes the lookouts would come running back and they would be like, they're coming, the English are coming. And it was not uncommon for one of the older men in the congregation to go to the priest and say, give me your vestments. And he would put on the elb and the chasuble so when the English showed up, they would arrest him, not the priest. Why? Because he thought that that isn't bread and wine. He thought that that was more important than his own life, that people receiving that through the hands of the priest, getting the sacraments, going to Mass, was more important than his life. The minute he put on that vestment, you guys, he knew he was a dead man. They would arrest him, hang him, they would draw and quarter his body. And I just don't think people would do that anymore. We have literally had our hearts ripped out of our chests. I'm not sure if you've heard of a man named Alexander Solzhenitsyn. He's a Russian author. One point he was made a political prisoner because he wrote a private letter to a friend that addressed the atrocities of communism and Joseph Stalin. It was found out, this letter, Stalin sentenced him. Are you ready for this? One letter against Joseph Stalin. He was sentenced to eight years in the prison camps, the gulags of Siberia. He eventually escaped and came to the West. In 1978, he gave the commencement speech at Harvard in which he spoke of American culture. Everybody thought he was going to talk about how great we are compared to Russia. He said, the most striking feature of American culture is your lack of courage. Remember, this is in 1978. He said, and I quote, Of course, there are extraordinary individuals, people that will stand up and do what's right, but as a country, as a culture, as a nation, America's not interested in principles. We're not interested in what's right and wrong. We're interested in what is most beneficial, what makes us the most money, what is most self-serving. You know, many years ago, we imposed a trade embargo on Cuba. You remember that? And to my knowledge, it still is there. You know why? Why we put that embargo on Cuba? Anybody know? I didn't think it was that far long ago. Huh? Well, yeah, I mean, we, they, were, they were communists. Right? We looked at them, we said they're communists. And communism strips people of their humanity and their dignity. And we, America, we don't stand for that. No trade with Cuba. But when it comes to China, who has what we know, concentration camps, which maybe some of the the most stringent laws against human dignity in the world. Oh, no. (laughs) Why? Because they got something we need. We're not a principled nation. We're becoming an unprincipled church. I know people who are 
pro-life until all of a sudden there's a pregnancy and they're like, I wouldn't want this. And then boom, abortion's an option. I know people that are against contraception, good families. And all of a sudden things go awry in the family and all of a sudden they're like, we got to protect the kids, we got to protect the family. And contraception's okay. We have traded right and wrong. We have traded principles for what is most self-serving. And Solzhenitsyn went on to say that the decline in courage is always the beginning of the end of a culture. C.S. Lewis echoed him when he said, We make fun of virtue, but continue to demand for those very qualities that we are rendering impossible. You can hardly open a newspaper without coming across the statement that what civilization needs... Listen to this. This sounds like all of us. What civilization needs is more drive, more dynamism, more self-sacrifice, more virtue, more creativity. But in this sort of ghastly simplicity, we have removed the organ and then demanded it to function. We make men without chests and expect them to be virtuous. We laugh at honor and then are shocked to find traitors in our midst. We castrate our society and then tell men to be fruitful. And this was in 1940. You can't watch TV shows or movies, listen to music that mocks virtue, and then expect to be virtuous. And that's all we have. You know, a couple months ago, I was kind of nostalgic. I get these little phases I go through. It was like two years ago, I bought the entire Looney Tunes series because I got so sick of Saturday. You know, there's no Saturday morning cartoons anymore. You want to have bacon and eggs and a cup of coffee and watch Bugs Bunny? He was funny. And there was virtue in those cartoons. Not now. And so a couple months ago, I got a little nostalgic for... You remember He-Man? Yeah, He-Man and the Masters of the Universe? I was like, man, I haven't seen that forever. I'm just going to watch one episode. So I downloaded the first episode. Scout, for those of you who don't know, He-Man is like, you know, the man. And he's like kind of like a Christ figure. Because... He, and then Skeletor is this evil skeleton guy, and he's like the villain of all villains. And He-Man always defeats Skeletor because good used to always win. And in the first episode, Skeletor has this crystal, and it can make people do things. And he uses it to control all of these people. And he, start, he almost has complete control of the entire kingdom. And then He-Man comes along and uses his superhuman strength and crushes the crystal, and all the spell of the crystal is undone, and everybody's free. And Skeletor's, you know, like, dang you, He-Man, you know? <laughs> he always was mad at He-Man, you know? But that was like, oh, you know, that's nice. That's a, I, okay, yeah, a little nostalgia. I remember that cartoon. But here's what I forgot. At the end of the cartoon, when it's over, the last 30 seconds, He-Man comes on, and I'm going to quote for you what he says. He says this. In today's story, kids... Skeletor was looking for a shortcut, a quick way to riches and power. And you may know some people like that, always looking to get ahead, no matter who they hurt. But it doesn't work that way. The people who succeed are the ones who work hard for it. So don't be fooled, and don't sell out. And remember, the right way is all, or the, what is it? The right way is always the best way. And I was like, what? They were promoting virtue. They were telling children how to be good. I dare you to find me something like that in modern day and age. 
We have nothing like that. Watch Yellowstone. Watch Game of Thrones. The Walking Dead. It's a complete mockery of what it means to be virtuous. Think of all the horror films that are coming out. Real Housewives. There's a good one. The Bachelorette. Ooh, she's very virtuous. It's awful. And if it couldn't get any worse, TikTok and YouTube come along and saturate the social media atmosphere with morons that are doing anything but virtuous things. We let our young people, in fact, we, we watch all of this and then we expect to be a virtuous nation. Give me a break. We won't be virtuous. We'll cut corners. Just like everybody on the TV shows. And the children? The children will just turn out to be entitled little cowards. That's the bad news. There's good news. The gospel is always good news. So how do we start? Where do we start to win this back? First, we begin to take Jesus seriously and we put him at the center of our lives and our family's lives. We hold up the martyrs. We hold up those great people that laid down their lives so other people could live. We teach our children about the saints. We look at that in awe, just as the king, that Greek king, looked at those seven brothers in awe for their courage. And we say, I want to be like that. I want to model that. We must put him at the center and not all of this garbage. I had an old spiritual director, he said one time, Garbage in, garbage out. If you feed yourself garbage, you'll turn into it. If you pollute your mind thinking sin is virtue, then that's how you'll live. And the other thing we can do, we can surround ourselves in this terrible culture that mocks virtue. We can surround ourselves with good and holy things. Good music, good reading, solid movies, great TV shows. They really promote the true good and the beautiful. If I feed my soul with good, I will be good. I'm going to tell you a story to end this homily. I didn't, I'm totally, I don't know if you know Father Mike Schmitz. Got a lot of respect for this guy. He's a priest out of University of Minnesota, Duluth. And he, this story, I don't know where he finds this stuff, but it's awesome. I knew the first part, but I didn't know the second part. Y'all, you guys remember the movie Black Hawk Down? Okay, so uh, this is the rest of the story. Right? Of Black Hawk Down. But just to give you a little lead up to that, if you haven't seen it, Black Hawk Down is about, in the 1990s, there was civil war in Somalia. Then on October 3rd, 1993, U.S. soldiers moved into Mogadishu. The Delta Force and Army Rangers raided an, a terrorist bunker. The mission was simple. Delta Force would go in, extract the terrorist leaders. Army Rangers would surround with a perimeter. They'd extract these terrorist leaders and get out. It all went wrong. The army rangers got cut off from the Delta Force. They got pinned down by the Somali militia. So the Blackhawks were trying to get in to cover air support and pull them out. One Blackhawk got shot down. Hence the movie, Blackhawk Down. That went, when it went down, every soldier on that helicopter died except for one. His name was Mike Durant. He was the pilot. And as he laid in the burning helicopter, injured, unable to move, he was surrounded by Somali militia. The other Black Hawk had two snipers on it, Gary Gordon and Ryan Sugar. These two guys radioed headquarters and said, let us go get him. 
Mike is still alive. We want to go get him. And they said, you can't go get him. If you go in there, you will be cut off. We cannot get you out. You will be left to fend for yourself. They said, we understand the danger. We're going in to get him. They were granted permission. And they dropped these two men in, Randy Schubert and Gary Gordon. And these two men fought their way all the way to Mike Durant to save his life. And in the process, were both killed. The Somali militia hacked their bodies to pieces and paraded them throughout the streets. Mike Durant was taken prisoner and eventually, in a trade, was sent back to America. Five years later, Mike Durant was asked to go to Gary Gordon's house, who was Randy Sugar and Gary Gordon received the Medal of Honor. And Mike Durant was asked to go and present that Medal of Honor to Gary Gordon's family. He thought he was just going to show up, give them the Medal of Honor, hug them, shake their hands, and leave. When he showed up, the whole town had come. And they wanted him to give a speech, so he panicked a little. And he went to the local library, and he looked up books on the Medal of Honor, so he had something to say. And there was one book, in that whole library, there was one book on the Medal of Honor. And he said as he looked through it and page through it, read the stories of valor. The stories of self-sacrifice, the story of men and women that gave their lives recklessly. He said he was absolutely amazed. And then he said, I got to the last page and I realized that that book had been checked out 20 years earlier by a 13-year-old boy whose name signed on the card was Gary Gordon. You guys, you don't become great without great witnesses. Gary Gordon read that book and said, I want to be that. I want my life to mean something. I want to lay down my life so for, for others and protect them. We are meant for greatness. We have to surround ourselves with good things or we'll never be good. We have to aspire to great things or we'll never be great. And we will never be great without courage. And courage, above all, demands self-sacrifice. Not entitlement, not doing what you want, when you want, how you want. So let us take our faith seriously and really try to live it. To raise our children to be men and women of virtue, courage, and self-sacrifice. So that we too, like Gary Gordon and Randy Schubert, will have the courage to lay down our lives so that others can live.